I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, on the fifth episode of the series India's Linguistic Heritage, I bring to you the bizarre story of the origins of modern Malayalam, which has everything from a breast tax to a religious power struggle. In 1803, a woman by the name of Nangeli heard a man at the door. She lived in the kingdom of Travancore in the town of Cherthala, which today falls under modern-day Kerala. The man was a pravatiyar or a village tax collector who had come to collect a very strange tax locally known as mulagaram. Fed up with having to pay the tax monthly, Nangeli did something really unexpected. Instead of giving the tax, she gave away the thing which she was getting taxed for that very thing was her breasts yes the maharaj of travancore had levied taxes on women who had come of age and had breasts 19th century kerala had an extremely oppressive caste system in place nangeli belonged to the ezawa community deemed avarnas or untouchables she was not allowed to cover her breasts and had to bear them all the time in front of anyone who was of a higher caste than her this bearing of breasts was a mark of respect for both men and women the breast tax was amongst the hundreds of taxes the lower caste paid and nangeli had had enough she chopped off her breasts and presented it to the tax collector on a plantain leaf and remarked i don't need it give it to your maharaja she died of blood loss but her sacrifice led to the chennar revolt which finally gave the right to the lower caste women to cover their breasts nangeli's revolt was not coming from a space of having the choice to cover her breasts or any sort of personal autonomy but from the fury of being an untouchable person a person who is dying every day from the debt they had accumulated by paying ridiculous taxes to the maharaj while the story of nangeli is disputed by historians the breast tax was indeed real but how did this bizarre tax come along and what could it have meant for the language most widely spoken in kerala that is malayalam this is the bizarre and unlikely story of the development of modern malayalam taking a route that in hindsight seemed obvious The Maharaj of Travancore was supported by a tiny community of Brahmins who incidentally were not native to Kerala. Around the 8th century AD, they came from North India, traveling along India's west coast. They arrived over time and spent considerable time in Gujarat and Maharashtra, which turned most of them into vegetarians. They came at the invitation of the local kings who offered them tax-exempt land grants under a system called Janmi. They performed Vedic Srauta fire rituals, which legitimized the king's status as rulers. the ownership of land meant power and they climbed the hierarchy of the caste ladder sat on top and unleashed discriminatory practices they went beyond untouchability and practiced caste pollution by sight sound and distance for example in azawa the caste to which nangeli belonged had to remain 36 paces away from the brahmin the community that practiced this came to be known as the nambudri brahmins with their arrival they also brought sanskrit and thereby emerged two distinct language streams in early malayalam literature with each having its own rules of diction patti and manipravalam patti literature was supposed to have only dravidian vocabulary and the 13th century work on ram ramakaritam 
is written in this tradition. Manipravalam, on the other hand, was more complex. It was a mix of Dravidian vocabulary, Sanskrit vocabulary, and even Sanskrit grammar at times. As we saw in the earlier episode, Partitions Unknown, Hindi, Urdu, and the Umbilical Cord, it was a case similar to that of Dehelvi, a 12th century dialect that eventually branched out into Hindi and Urdu owing to a combination of socio-political factors. Malayalam too became a byproduct of the power struggles of its time. Till then, Buddhism was the dominant religion in Kerala, along with the healthy smattering of Jainism. With the advent of the Brahmins and the patronage of the local kings, Buddhism declined. The community known as the Nayars, though considered lower caste by the Nambudi Brahmins, fought for them. But why did the Nayars support the Brahmins? And similar to the case of Aryan men coming in waves and carrying on a patrilineal heritage, which we saw in the episode The Hidden Story of Sanskrit and the North-South Divide, the Nambudri Brahmins too practiced a version of it known as primogeniture. Simply put, it means that the eldest son was to marry a woman of his own caste and keep strict control of the family land and pass it on from generation to generation. However, his younger brothers had to marry outside of caste to ensure landholding and thereby power does not get fragmented. They ended up getting into marital arrangements or sambandhams with Nair women who were from the same caste as the kings. Thus, the Nairs ended up supporting the Brahmins in this struggle for power. Despite their defeat, the Buddhist and Jain groups did not accept the dominance of Brahmins and their status declined. They were assigned to, guess what? The Izawa caste, which today are counted as other backward classes or OBCs in India. As Brahminical Hinduism was being re-established in Kerala, Sanskritized Malayalam began to dominate and the Brahmin community had a strong reason to push Sanskrit. But what about the Jews, Christians and Muslims in Kerala? The Nambudri Brahmins had arrived in the 8th century AD but the Syrian Christians had been around since the 1st century AD and the Jews from even earlier, even before the advent of Christ. These communities preserved their languages. Syrian Christians still have Syriac as the language of worship. The Jews have Hebrew, while the Mapilla Muslims have the religious literature written in Arabic. And yet, each one of them today counts Malayalam as their mother tongue. That is because early on, Malayalam found its way into Syriac and Arabic names, as Peggy Mohan whose brilliant book forms the basis of this entire series on India's linguistic heritage, notes, The Syrian Christian name like Joseph or Osef got a prefix Kochu, which became Kochu Osef. Osef itself got condensed to Appu and became a fully Malayalam name, Kochu Appu. The female name Mariam changed through English influence to Mary, further acquired the honorific Amma and became Mariamma. Among the Muslims, the name Muhammad got the suffix Kuti, this is also the reason that a man who has been the recipient of the Padma Shri and three national awards, more popularly known as Mamuti, has the actual name of Muhammad Kutti Pani Parambil Ismail. The evolution of modern Malayalam has many parallels to how Hindi and Urdu evolved. In fact, the more we delve into the evolution of Indian languages, the more we realize that language and power shaped each other in an endless feedback loop. No matter what shape and form the migration came from, the intent was to transform the language in a way that asserted their power. As Peggy Mohan notes, mixed languages are about power shifts, not about little people migrating as individuals. And the most obvious proof of this is Kerala as it exists today. Despite having an estimated 3 to 4 million migrants from all across the country, there has been no significant impact of the migrants' language on Malayalam. In fact, most of these migrants will end up adapting and learning Malayalam themselves. In a strange contrast, the Nambudri Brahmins, owing to a mix of circumstances, are less than 1% of the population in Kerala today. 
and are nowhere near the apex of power. As we travel to newer lands, we must remember that almost every aspect of culture we see and experience has been shaped by those who held power. And this essentially means that for every seen culture, there could be a dozen unseen ones. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YB Travel 42 on Instagram.